text for the sermon this afternoon is the word of God as the church has summarized and confessed it in Lord's Day 20 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 20, you can find that on page 534 of your book of praise. The question asks, what do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit? First, he is together with the Father and the Son, true and eternal God. Second, he is also given to me to make me by true faith share in Christ and all his benefits, to comfort me and to remain with me forever. And after the sermon, we'll sing together in response from hymn 48, stanzas 3 and 4. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, with Lord's Day 20, we come to the third part of the Apostles' Creed. And as we saw in Lord's Day 8, this this creed has a very Trinitarian structure. It first confesses God the Father, and then God the Son, and then finally God the Holy Spirit. And with each person of the Trinity, there's a focus on specific work of that person. In our confession of the Father, we focus especially on his work of creation. With the work of the Son, The focus is specifically on that work of redemption. And now coming to the Holy Spirit, our focus is directed to his work of sanctification. And this this work of sanctification, it's a very broad work. It applies not only to individual people. The reality is it applies to this whole creation that we see around us. Scripture makes it clear that all creation needs renewal because of the fall into sin. We read that in Romans 8, verses 20 and 21. Creation is subjected to frustration, and it looks forward to that time where we will be liberated from bondage to decay. But that renewal doesn't just come about magically. It's something that is brought about by the work of the Holy Spirit, We find that in Psalm 104, verse 30. When you send your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the earth. Well, if you think back to Genesis 1, there we saw already how the Holy Spirit was present when God even first created this world. And it's God, the Holy Spirit, who renews this fallen and this broken world as well. So yes, sanctification is a very broad thing, but the focus of our creed and therefore also the focus of our catechism, it's much narrower. It looks at the work of the Spirit with regards to the church. Under our confession of the Holy Spirit, we confess that we believe a holy Catholic Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. All those things, they are related to the work of God, the Holy Spirit. But as we come to Lord's Day 20, we soon notice that the focus of this Lord's Day is even narrower than that. 
Lord's Day 20 is very personal and individual. Believing in the work of the Holy Spirit is a confession for each individual child of the Lord. Every person who believes in Jesus Christ can say, the Holy Spirit is given to me. He works in me. He remains in me. The catechism is first and foremost focused on what the Holy Spirit does for God's people and what exactly that work means for our life. The catechism, it's the book of comfort. And as we'll see this afternoon, when we confess the Holy Spirit, we do indeed receive great comfort. And so I bring you God's word with this theme. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And we'll first see who he is. And secondly, we'll look at what he does. Well, it's clear from the catechism that before focusing on the exact work of the Holy Spirit, we first need to understand who the Holy Spirit is. It says there that he is together with the Father and the Son, true and eternal God. And that's significant because it shows right away from the beginning that there's an emphasis on the unity of the Trinity rather than on this individual persons. And that's not surprising because the work of each person, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son, it's all fundamental and necessary for our salvation. And that also means that we cannot overemphasize any one of the persons of the Trinity. Well, we may say, we know that. But it is a trend in liberal Christianity. More and more, the work of the Holy Spirit is being seen as more important than the work of the Father and even more important than the work of God the Son. There are churches who focus exclusively on the Holy Spirit and they put God the Father and God the Son to the side. And when you look at the argument that these churches use, it's an argument that we as Reformed people are also very sensitive to. For these churches will say that there is a history of God's revelation. In the Old Testament, the focus was on God the Father. And then in the New Testament, the focus was on God the Son. But we're living in a, di in a different era. And now the focus is on the work of God the Holy Spirit. Well, we certainly agree. There is a history of revelation. The triune God makes himself more fully known over time and over history as revealed in his word. But the way in which those different groups break up the Trinity like that, that goes far beyond what we can accept. We believe that over history, God has made himself more fully known to us and that in his word, he has revealed himself not as three individual persons, each worthy of worship in their own time, but he's revealed himself as the triune God who is together worshiped and glorified. We worship Trinity and unity and unity and Trinity as we confess in the Athanasian Creed. And yet there are churches that, that look at the Reformed churches and they say that we have undervalued 
the work of the Holy Spirit. And that same accusation is directed right against the Heidelberg Catechism as well. After all, the Catechism, it gives two Lord's Days to the work of God the Father. And then it gives nine Lord's Days to the work of God the Son. But then only one to God the Holy Spirit specifically. And then two more to his broader work as well. So do we do, we do justice to the great and powerful work of the Holy Spirit when it comes also to our beloved book of comfort? Well, if we look through the catechism, we can see that this argument that people make or this accusation that people make, it isn't true at all. Throughout the catechism, there's actually a continual focus on the work of God the Holy Spirit. It starts already in Lord's Day 1. God the Holy Spirit makes us heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. And then it continues in Lord's Day 3, question and answer 8, where it says that the only way to escape our total corruption is through the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. And we could also think of Lord's Day 7, question and answer 21, where it says that true faith that we need to be saved is worked in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And that's just a few examples. There's many other places as well. So it's clear the catechism and indeed our whole reformed theology, it certainly does focus on the importance and the necessity of the work of the Holy Spirit. And so if we want to know who the Holy Spirit is exactly, we don't need to look at the trends of liberal Christianity Instead, if we want to know who the Holy Spirit is, we need to look at the word of God. Because from scripture, we can clearly see that God the Holy Spirit does not emphasize himself either. And nor is that why he came into this world. Instead, the Holy Spirit was sent by God the Father to testify to what Jesus Christ has done for us. We learn that from a passage such as John 15, verse 26. When the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. That's what Jesus Christ has said to us. The Holy Spirit has been given to us so that we may know who Jesus Christ is, that we may know what Christ has done for us. He doesn't come to bring us a new message of salvation or some kind of new revelation. He points us to our Savior, the Son of God. And that's something that we actually see in the whole Trinity. No one person of the Trinity brings glory to himself. Instead, they all testify concerning the others. In his ministry on earth, Christ did not come to bring glory to his name. Instead, he says time and again that he came to do the will of his Father. And he called that the Father would glorify his name. In John 12, verse 28, he's speaking to his disciples. And Christ prays, Father, glorify your name. Don't glorify me, glorify your name. Well, the Holy Spirit follows that pattern. He doesn't point us to himself. 
He points us to Jesus Christ as the only way to salvation. And he brings glory to Christ by taking from what is Christ's and making that all known to us. And everything that belongs to Christ belongs to the Father as well. We learn that from John 16, verses 14 and 15. It's important that we see that the Trinity, each individual person of the Trinity, works together for our salvation. And so yes, there's that clear danger that we put almost too much emphasis on the work of the Spirit at the expense of the other persons. But the opposite's true as well. There's also the danger that we don't place enough emphasis on the great work of the Holy Spirit. For while the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus Christ, he is and he remains true and eternal God. That's the words of our catechism in Lord's Day 20. Same words are used back in Lord's Day 8 when the catechism first dealt with the Trinity. We can never speak lightly about the Holy Spirit because his work of sanctification, it is a very fundamental and necessary part of our salvation. And what often happens to people, and even we're guilty of it ourselves sometimes, is that by our own language, we actually place less emphasis on the Spirit. We speak of God the Father as He. And we speak of God the Son as He. But then when we speak about the Holy Spirit, we speak of it. Considering the Spirit to be a mere power or influence that comes from God, rather than being God himself. And that language, it shows a lack of understanding about the Spirit. It shows a lack of understanding about who God himself is. And it takes away from that amazing work that the Holy Spirit does in each one of us. Our language is very important, brothers and sisters. And so we need to make sure that when we speak of the Spirit, we refer to him as he. Just as the catechism does, and ultimately just as the word of God does as well. Because together with the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit is and remains true and eternal God. And he is worthy of all praise and all worship. Well, the second part of answer 53 directs our attention to what the Holy Spirit does. If we look at that second part of answer 53 of the catechism, it's soon obvious that the catechism does not go into a lot of specifics, nor does it go into great depths about the work of the Holy Spirit. In fact, we could say it even misses some of the work of the Spirit. In Lord's Day 20, you don't find words like conversion, regeneration, so the catechism, does it fall short, maybe, in explaining the Spirit? All it really says is, he's given to me to make me by true faith share in Christ and all his benefits, to comfort me and to remain with me forever. And that appears to be just a very simple and basic explanation of the work of the Spirit. But if we look more closely at these words, 
then it becomes obvious that the catechism gives us a lot more than we really think. And the first thing it does is it gives us the right perspective on who we are. It starts the second part by saying that the Holy Spirit is given to me. In other words, having the Holy Spirit dwelling among us is not something that we can simply assume or take for granted. Because in our natural sinful state, we don't have the Holy Spirit in us. It's a gift of God. He is a gift of God to his chosen people. Our natural state is that we are controlled by our sinful nature. It's what we read in Romans 8 verse 9. But it's because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. We now have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And so we are now no longer controlled by that sinful nature, but we are controlled by the Holy Spirit. It's by his power that each day again we fight against that sinful nature at work in us. And it's on that basis that Paul can say in Romans 8 verse 12 that we have an obligation. But no longer is that obligation to the sinful nature. Instead, Paul says that we are called by the Spirit to put to death the misdeeds of our body. What he's saying here is that we are called to live up to what we have in Jesus Christ. We are called to be who we really are. And who are we? Paul explains that in Romans 8 verse 14. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Through Jesus Christ, we have been adopted as God's own children. And we have received the spirit of sonship. And it's the Holy Spirit who helps us to live up to that wonderful position that we now have through our Savior. He helps us every day to fight against that sinful nature, that powerful sinful nature that is at work in us. But as powerful as that sinful nature is, it's no match for the Holy Spirit who is true and eternal God. The catechism continues from there. And it says that by faith we are made to share in Christ and his gifts and benefits. And then the question is, how do we get that faith so that we can share in those benefits? Well, again, it's only by the work of the Holy Spirit. He is the one who works faith in us so that we believe in Jesus Christ as our only Savior. And he uses specific means. Lord's Day 25, he works faith through the preaching of the word. He strengthens it through the use of the sacraments. It's from the message of salvation that we hear off this pulpit week in and week out. That's what the Holy Spirit uses to work faith in our hearts. He uses it to direct our attention to Jesus Christ, to believe in Jesus Christ, and to seek all things from him and from him alone. And then we need to step back for a moment and think about this more broadly. That natural state of being controlled by the sinful nature compared to this new state we have, being controlled by the Holy Spirit, believing in Jesus Christ. 
Well, that's a radical change. And it's not a change that we can make in ourselves. We don't have that power because by ourselves, we're simply dead to sin. But the Holy Spirit takes the person that's dead to sin and he raises them to life in Jesus Christ. And isn't that really what regeneration is? The taking of something that's dead and giving it new life again. Catechism may not use the word regeneration in Lord's Day 20, but there's a very clear and direct reference to that great work of the Holy Spirit. Well, the Catechism speaks about the benefits of Christ that the Spirit makes us to share in. But then what exactly are those benefits that we share in? Perhaps the best explanation can be found in the covenant promises that the Holy Spirit makes to us at our baptism. There he promises to impart to us what we have in Christ, namely the cleansing from our sins and the daily renewal of our lives. Those are things that impact our life every day that we have on this earth. Every day again, we can pray for the forgiveness of our sins because the Holy Spirit makes us a living member of Christ. Every day again, we can thank God that he renews us so that we are indeed sorry for our sins and that we seek to serve him by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. But there's actually more to it as well because Romans 8 also gives us another benefit of Christ that we share in. Those benefits don't only apply to our life today, they also apply to our life in the future. Romans 8 verse 11, it's by the power of the Spirit that our mortal bodies will be raised from the dead. There's a number of places in Scripture where we can read that we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption, which is the day on which our salvation will be complete, the day of Christ's return. You read that in a passage like 2 Corinthians 1, verse 21 and 22, or Ephesians 4, verse 30. Having the Holy Spirit at work in us, it helps us each day, but it's also a pledge of the great and glorious future that we have waiting for us. And the Holy Spirit, he also does more. The Catechism said he's also given to us to comfort us, well, at first glance, that seems simple and straightforward. By his presence, he comforts us in this life of sorrows. But what exactly then does it mean that the Holy Spirit comforts us? And how exactly does he comfort us? Well, if you look at the proof text that the catechism used for this point, the first one, is given, the first one that's given is John 15, verse 26. We actually referenced that passage earlier. Christ says, when the counselor comes whom I will send you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. Well, when we're looking for comfort, that's probably not the first passage that we turn to for such comfort. But when we think about what that text is saying, the Holy Spirit testifies to us about what Christ has done for us. And then what greater comfort 
do we have than looking to Jesus Christ? What better comfort do we have than knowing that Jesus, through Christ all our sins are forgiven? That through Christ we have an inheritance that's far better than anything we can see in this world? And is there anything more comforting than knowing that we belong to Jesus Christ in body and soul, both in life and death? That's what the Holy Spirit testifies to us about. He testifies to us about what Christ has done for us, the benefits we receive from that, and who we now are in Jesus Christ. And he also helps us in those times when we lose our focus. As Paul writes in Romans 8.26, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. It's human nature that as we go through life and we experience different kinds of trials and adversities, or when we're weighed down because of the depths of sin, then we start to lose our focus. We look specifically at ourselves to try and get out of that situation. But it's the Holy Spirit who provides us with comfort during all those times. And to do this, he helps us to take the attention away from ourselves and he places it on the one who said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Spirit reminds us that all our hope and that all our comfort is found in the one who gave up his life for his chosen people. He points us to that comfort that we can only find in the word of God because it's there that we learn about who Christ is and what Christ has done for us. And it's also through the Holy Spirit that we have that comfort each and every day of our lives. Spirit doesn't come and go as he pleases, sometimes dwelling in us, sometimes not. No, the catechism ends answer 53 by saying that he remains with me forever. It's what we'd already confessed back in Lord's Day 18, question and answer 47. Christ is never absent from us with respect to his majesty, grace, and spirit. Before he, before he left this earth, Christ promised his disciples that he would be sending them the Holy Spirit who would remain with them forever. Find that in John 14, verses 16 and 17. That's a rich promise. But it was not only for his disciples at the time. That was a promise for all God's people from all times and all places. When Christ ascended into heaven, he did not leave us on his own, on our own, to fend for ourselves in this world that hates Christ and that hates his followers. He didn't leave us as orphans. He gave us the Holy Spirit to guide us each day in our earthly pilgrimage. He gave us the Holy Spirit to help us each day in our fight against our sworn enemies. And each day, the Spirit continues to assure us of what we have in Jesus Christ. And on the fact that one day we too will share in his glory. Brothers and sisters, our confession of faith in the Holy Spirit it's a deep and it's a rich confession. The Spirit's work is so often mysterious, 
so mysterious that we can't begin to understand it. We can't begin to comprehend it. But by the faith that he works in us, we believe it. The scriptures, inspired by the Spirit, they reveal him as the third person of the Holy Trinity. They show him to be the one who applies the benefits of Jesus Christ to us. And so let us thank our God for the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And by his power, every day, let us fight against sin and serve our God. Amen.